We are under the tower. I'm John Guthrie, and we have... Janine Waterman. A co-host today, because we are talking about National Hospice and Palliative Care Week. Month. 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 It's Month. November. November. How about that? So... I think, well, first of all, let me just say this. So Janine Waterman is an APRN with Halifax Health Hospice. Yes. And that means that she works with a whole team of people to help people with end of life, um, not only from a medical perspective, but also, as I've found out with recent family members and all this other kind of friends, it, there's a lot of mental, a lot of mental discussion and thoughts that go into that. Correct. And it is the... Um, the month to really kind of think about these things. You have to think about them all the time, but this is a special month that we have dedicated just to talking about this. So let's start this thing off right. What is hospice care? Pretend I don't know anything about hospice care. What is it? Hospice is an organization that takes care of people with a life expectancy of six months or less. Six months. And so, I mean, that is hard to tell, right? How do you know? Well, we know based on medical conditions, we know what the trajectory of decline would be if, yeah. if a disease runs its natural course. Right. We know based on what's happening with somebody cognitively, functionally, nutritionally, we can then gauge where they are you in can the tell. dying process. So can, this is kind of a weird question, but can you um, examine someone and kind of know where they are in your own mind, how much time they have? Yes. And that's, Under normal circumstances? Yeah, we can... We can with education on what prognosis looks like, what disease, right. um, how it runs its natural course. And sometimes there's no disease. Sometimes it's just old age, right? Sometimes old age. Yeah. Um, but we can tell based on what's happening with a person. Interesting. Um, you know, how much time, whether they have hours to days or days to weeks or weeks to months to and live. And you can tell that. We can give a pretty good educated That's guess. amazing. That is amazing. So, yeah, let's talk about that for a second because... I would say that most people say to me, our Halifax Health Hospice is amazing. They are absolute angels, but I wish I would have called them sooner. Yes. A lot of people get to hospice later than the six months. You know, they may have a life expectancy of two weeks or less. Um, and I think it's because we hope that when we come to the hospital that we can make things better or right. there's another treatment or another medication yeah. that can can help. Um, and so I think nationally in our country, we have we don't want to give up. Yeah, it's a mental thing. Mm -hmm. It's a mental thing. We don't want to give up either if we're the person or if we're the person's loved one. I get it. Right. We want time. The other thing you and I have talked about a million times is the word hospice. That word, it's too bad because it's a nice word, hospice. Mm -hmm. It sounds nice. But, you know, that word is just associated with death and instant dying. And so if someone says, would you like a hospice consult, you're most likely going to, your first indication is going to be like, yeah, no, I don't want to die. Yeah, I'm not ready. Um, I think the important thing to remember is that when we're taking care of somebody on hospice, that we're not looking at when they're going to die. We're trying to help them live the best life they can yeah, until see, they die. See, then there's so much to this. I was talking to Alberto, as I told you. And, you know, it's so much how you frame things. Mm -hmm. Like, you just framed that in a different manner than I framed it. And, and, and Alberto framed it to me as how much care does the person or does the family want to offer? Well, and I like to say that we're always providing care, whether we're doing hospice care, yeah. or palliative care, or aggressive care. 
we're always giving care. Sometimes right. we have to change the focus of the care from curing disease to yeah. managing the symptoms that come with the right. disease. Right. So we're always caring for people. We're just providing different focus of that care. And and that's you know that's really something that we can all I think practice. Mm-hmm. But it's not our it's for most of us. For you it might be, but for me it's not my natural state. Mm-hmm. My natural state is that you know. Um, end of life care. Well, it could be under, we could just call it care though. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be called end of life. Right. And it's, it's quality care based on what people's wishes are. So we want to meet them where they are and help them and make them feel as good as they can for whatever time they have left. And we're going to talk about the five wishes, but not yet. Not yet. So then there's palliative care, another really, really difficult term. What, how would you describe palliative care? So one thing I want to make note of is that all of hospice care is considered palliative care. The word palliative means comfort. And so all of hospice care is palliative. We're, we're focusing on the comfort of a patient. Palliative care, and this is why it's confusing to a lot of people, yeah. but palliative care, patients who are under the umbrella of our palliative care program, either inpatient or outpatient, can have continuing wanting aggressive treatments or wanting cancer treatments or wanting to be on a ventilator. They can want dialysis. They can want all the medical treatments that are being offered to them um, while they're still having conversations and focusing on managing their symptoms. Yeah. Whereas, and you can have palliative care for years, right? right? You can be on palliative care. Any disease that you can't cure, the treatment is palliative for as long as you live with that disease. True, true. But hospice is those last six months or that last gotcha. period of time where somebody's actually dying. Um, and so the difference is, is that with hospice, you have to have more comfort-oriented or comfort-focused goals right? Um, because that's what Medicare CMS yep. requires. And palliative care, we can kind of focus on conversations and comfort, but also continuing yeah, treatments. You, you keep saying conversations. Let's dig into that just a little bit. So what kind of conversations... So our job, when I'll talk about inpatient palliative care, where we get consulted, and we'll get consulted to have a goals of care conversation a lot of times. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to come in, we're going to review all the medical records, what's been happening in the months and weeks leading up to the hospitalization, where we are now, um, what treatments are being offered. And we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation about disease, what the process of the disease is, what that disease we would expect in its normal course with and without treatment. And then we're gonna talk to people about what their goals and wishes are because sometimes, you know, people want to go to surgery or they want chemotherapy and sometimes they don't, but we don't know that unless we have a real conversation about what their goals and wishes are. And and, you know, the one thing I notice uh, specifically about you is you kind of tie it all together. I feel like sometimes when you're in the hospital or when I've had friends in the hospital, they're kind of like getting hit from all different sides. And the infectious disease doctor sneaks in and does their thing. And then this person does that. And there's a hospitalist. And, you know, all these things are happening. And um, I really look at, and the reason I I call you sometimes to visit with people is because they really don't get the full picture because those physicians are focused on their piece. And um, so how do you kind of bring all that together? Because it's a lot of information. So it doesn't overwhelm somebody already in a difficult position. Well, and I think, you know, we're lucky that we have the time to spend with people and we have the time to talk to all of the providers and 
kind of get on the same page, make sure everybody understands what's going on. And that's truly part of our role in the hospital is to help with those conversations, to help make sure that when one person comes in and says, you know, this is better today, and then the next provider comes in and says, this is worse, what does that mean to the family? It doesn't mean anything, you know, it doesn't necessarily. So we can sit down and say, you know, here's what's happening, this is what we expect, this is better, and this might be worse, and this is what it means. Right. Um, so our role is is primarily communication and making sure that people understand what's happening and then making sure that their goals and wishes align with that. And so do you feel by going into this type of medicine that you really are the communicator? You're an educated communicator as opposed to sometimes you think of APRNs or physicians and those people as more practitioners. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, our pri- a good portion of our role is communication mm-hmm. and symptom management. And those are the two things that we're going to be there. If somebody's short of breath, we're going to help them feel but like they're breathing better. Right. Um, we're going to help them with their pain or their nausea. And we're going to we're good at symptom management. So but a good tool that we use is communication. And yeah. then we also have a multidisciplinary team like hospice. We have chaplains and social workers on our team. And we have nurse practitioners and doctors. So between all of us, we can provide to meet the the mental, you know, psychosocial, right. spiritual, and medical needs of our patients and families. So, what type what type of education do you have for this? So, um, the nurse practitioners either have a master's degree or a doctorate degree, um, and then um, we have physicians on our team also. So, we all have. But your master's or doctorate degree is in medicine. In medicine and nursing. And so, who teaches you? the part that doctors and APRNs can get dinged for a lot of times, which is communication. Uh, a lot of it's self-taught. We teach as a team. There are many programs through the National Hospice and Palliative Care Association that um, teach communication. Really focus on that. Mm-hmm. This is a big portion of what we do. Right. That we makes sense. we talk about it, we can't know what people want. Yeah, and, and so that's a perfect segue. <laughs> Almost like you planned it. Um <laughs> But, you know, when we talk about what people want, the, a minute ago, um, you said to me when we were just kind of talking, you said, um, how would you want to go or how would you want to right. die? How Did you say, you? yeah, how, how would I want to die? Right. To think about most people have in their minds what they would want that to look like. Yeah. Right. They would either want it to be in the hospital or they would want to be at home. Yeah. They would want their family by their side or they would want to be in a hospice facility. And most people have an idea what they would want that to look like. They would want their favorite music playing or they wouldn't or, you know, and so people have an idea what they want it to look like. And if we don't talk about it and we think it's going to happen, you know, we want to try to make sure we meet those needs. Yeah. Right. Because that's an important part. The one thing I don't, I don't want long and drawn out. Right. I don't want that. What do you want? I want it to be peaceful and comfortable. Yeah. Um, I want it to be quiet. I want, I it want to that be too. <laughs> I was, I've often thought I would. Friends. I might want to be laying in the grass. No, that would be. <laughs> or on the beach, like just chill, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't want a long. I know that I don't want to do a long, long, long. Right. Suffering. Right. I don't want to do that. Well, and I think that's where the crucial conversation or the, you know, these conversations have to come in. Because if we as medical team members believe that somebody's life expectancy is limited and we're not telling them that, then we don't give them the opportunity to meet those goals and wishes that they have. That makes sense. Um, So we just have to have open and real conversations about what we think. And then we help them make that decision. And so then here's the next part. So really, we need to think about this way before we 
need to need to think about it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We need to think about it before we need to think about it. And the reason we have to do that is because you never know when your when your window mm-hmm. of um, I guess the end is coming. So right. what can we do about that? Well, I think it's important that we all think about it, and I think we in healthcare have an advantage that we see yeah. the realities of what happens. You know, in our hospital palliative care service, we get consulted, you know, in the NICU and yeah. in rehab, right, in right. all aspects of the hospitalization. And so we see people when they're first diagnosed or when they're in their last moments. Right. Um, and sometimes families haven't had that conversation. Right. And so I think that putting your advanced directives in order, making sure that you designate who you would want to make decisions for you, and also writing down what you would want or at least having a conversation about it is crucially important. So advanced directives sounds like a big, big, mm-hmm. scary legal word. What is right. it? So advanced directives are really a, a directive that you give your family or your friends, whoever your people are, and you tell them, I want you to make medical decisions for So me. it's not a complicated directive. It's, complicated. it's just before. Before. See, they, they probably messed up that name too because advanced directives are like, advanced practitioner, you know, it makes it sound complex, but it's really just saying what you want in the future. Mm-hmm. I think the most important of all of the documents, I think there's different levels of comfort for people. People don't want to talk about death and dying in right. our country. We're afraid right. of it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to believe it, um, you know, or we just want more time. And so yeah. because of that, we don't want to talk about it. But if, you know, the most important advanced directive, in my opinion, doing what I do is a designation of healthcare surrogate. Yes. Where I am telling you who I want to speak for me. If I come into the you hospital can't. as a trauma alert yep. and I can't speak, you, yep. you as a, us as a health system should know who we call. Um, because if we don't put it in writing, then the law says who speaks right. for us. And a lot of times what we find in our work is that the person that the law says is not the person that the people would want. I've heard I've heard of that. Um, so it's very important. And it's they can simple. be making decisions. They will be making and, decisions. And um, if you aren't in alignment, right. then you don't know that that's going to happen. And then sometimes between family members who have differing opinions, that can cause a whole other level right. of um, right. of Distress. Yeah, distress is a good word. Yeah, that's right. Right. So we're, so we're going to do a, a, qu- a, a, a survey, right? Are we yes. doing the survey? We're going to do a survey. So we want to know, and we're going to bet here in just a second. We want to know out of the 4,000 people that we have employed here, what percent have advanced directives? Do they have to be written down? Yes. Okay, you have to have written down advanced directives. And what else? Is that it? That's it. So you need to have it written down. Where would I go and find like a form or something to make this easy for me? So we have the access repository or e-forms, people call it, that yep. we can print them. Designation of healthcare surrogate, which names who you want to speak for you. You could take it an extra step with a living will. That and what does that do? A living will is a document that says if you were ever in a condition where um, two physicians agreed that you had a poor prognosis where you were going to be in a vegetative state or that you had an end stage or terminal condition that you would direct whether or not you want life prolonging measures withheld or withdrawn. I never knew that was two physicians. Two physicians. Well, that's a good idea. And that's the Florida laws. And so two physicians agree. And then you say, I do, or I don't want those things withdrawn. Um, and then that directs your family to say, if I have a terminal condition and I'm on life support, I want it taken away. 
and that's how you know we know what people want. Does the family the still have to give the okay? Yes, the, the consent. Family, yes, the the healthcare decision maker still has to give. So just the letting okay. them know what you would prefer. It's a guide for them. They can change their mind. They can change their but mind. But then that's not what you wanted. Right. Whew, that's a Which tough position. Which is why it's important to yeah name for sure. Who you would want. What else is in the advanced directives? Those are the basics. Those are the basics. Mm -hmm. So we have um, healthcare surrogate. Yep. And living will. And a living will, right. There you go. And then for people with more advanced illness, they could have what we call a Florida do not resuscitate order. I've heard of that. Which is a yellow DNR. form. The DNR form. And that would be a form. So if somebody leaves the hospital, they're a DNR in the hospital and they want to go home, but they don't want to be put on a ventilator. They don't right. want chest compressions. If their right. heart stops, they want to be allowed to die peacefully and naturally. Right. Um, their family calls 911. If you don't have that DNR form, then they're going to do CPR and they're going to gotcha. put you on a ventilator and bring you to the hospital. Yeah, see, as a, as a society, we don't want to let people go. No. So it's important if that's something that people want, yep. that they have that form and they know about that it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Right. So when you think about um, why you got into this um, area of medicine, what prompted you to get into this? Well, <clears throat> I started my nursing career here at Halifax um, when? in 1994. Oh, nice. December of 94. Well, January 94. I graduated in December. but um, And I went into oncology. I had three choices of where to work, oncology, orthopedics, or med surge, I think. And so I chose oncology. Or med surge. Med surge, just gets, <laughs> they, they, don't get, they don't get all the love they need to. We didn't have as many choices then. but yeah. I, So I went into oncology. I did it for 18 years. I loved every minute of it. It's my first love in medicine. It really? was a great career here. And, um, and then about 12 years ago, I decided to transition to hospice and palliative care. Nice. And at that time we had a very small palliative care program with like three or four patients right. on the list right. that we would see. And now it's grown into this huge program. Yeah, We have like 700 people on the census uh, for hospice. Um, yep. For hospice. And palliative care is part of hospice care. And right. our outpatient palliative now has how many people? Um, our outpatient on palliative census care probably. has about, um, about 200 patients. Wow. And our inpatient palliative care service sees about, um, has an average daily sense of about 75. That's crazy. So in the hospital. And we didn't crazy. have outpatient palliative care a year ago, I don't think. Probably we? two years ago. Two years ago mm -hmm. it's been now? Yeah. So that has really grown. So that's grown. And we have a team of people, nurse practitioners and social worker who go out into the homes and continue conversations. Amazing. And continue to manage symptoms in the home. And um, we have a great team inpatient and a great team outpatient. We do. Well, I, you know, the, the entire hospice organization, I'll put everybody in underneath that because you said I could. Yes. Um, they're just, it's like when you are out and about in the community, I can honestly say I've never had anyone comment about anything with regard to hospice other than hospice was great, hospice are angels, boy, they are incredible. I couldn't believe what a great job they did taking care of my, you know, I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. We're very fortunate that people allow us into their homes and into their lives yeah. in these difficult times and let us, you know, all of our team members come in and, and be there in what's probably the most difficult days of their lives. Yeah. Um, and, so we're very fortunate. And, you know, it doesn't cost, it, I mean, it is a, it is, I don't, I don't want to say it's a right, it's a, what would you call it? Yeah. So um, hospice care is covered under the Medicare and Medicaid benefit. Yeah. So it is one of the times where, Hospice care is covered. Um, 
know, that's amazing. That. A lot of people don't realize that. And when you think about other countries, I mean, we're really fortunate to have that. We are very fortunate. And palliative care is subject to um, insurance benefits yeah. and things. But just like the rest of the hospital, we take care of everyone. And that's great. we want to make sure that people's needs are met. Well, it has been great visiting with you. It's November. It's November. November is Hospice and Palliative Care Month. Right. Make sure you have your advanced directives nailed down. They are not complex directives. They are in advance or before directives. I think that was important for me today. Yeah, correct. And we'll be out in the in the lobby of the France Tower later this month to help people get them filled out awesome. if they want. And you don't have to be afraid of them, right? Right. It's just something that you got to do so it makes it easier on you makes it easier on your family. There's no question marks. So we have been with Janine Waterman, APRN for Halifax Health Hospice, Halifax Health, all of our services. I want to thank you for thank what you, you do. Uh, you have helped so many people, especially me, and uh, I greatly appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too.